Hello, you're listening to Common Ride with me, a podcast about stunt-filled shows full of heroes. I'm James Dorrington, but you can call me Kip, and I'm your expert. And I'm James Baker, I'm a newcomer. This week, we look at Android Kikaider. Hen- Shin- Hello, everyone. This week, we have a very special guest in Professor Jason Chun. Hello, Jason. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Anytime. Like, we're like really glad to have like your like uh, perspective. And um, could you tell people um, what's your background in like toku and like in like Japanese culture? You know, I was um, born and raised in Hawaii. And so we have a, a huge Japanese population here. Um, my um, mom's from Japan. And I'm half Japanese. Um, and, uh, you know, would watch um, the Japanese station, you know, when I was a kid. I first came across Kikaida when I was in elementary school, when it first came out as a, a Tokusatsu show. And uh, I couldn't believe what I saw. It was, like, so amazing. And I started, you know, watching some more after that. And so, you know, I've been watching, in, you know, Tokusatsu, um, you know, the shows back then, back in the 70s. I kind of stopped watching after that as I grew older. But um, I've been following anime, manga um, for quite a while. Um, I've been, you know, it was very lonely back then in the days before YouTube when you didn't have people who could share and talk, you know, like this. Um, I now, you know, teach um, a course actually on anime, manga, and film at the University of Hawaii, um, West Oahu, and summers at the University of Hawaii, Manoa. And that is one of my specialties. And I actually write about this in the newspaper and, you know, just articles about um, anime, manga, and so forth. So thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be on. You're welcome. Yeah. For a while, like I've wanted to look at, like I've known that like there was like a big boom in places like Hawaii and like Brazil and like the seventies and like eighties for like Toku just being like a really big thing. So like, I really wanted like to hear that like perspective and like maybe look at like why that maybe happened too. Like it's like a very interesting thing. Uh, like, Cause um, to put it um, perhaps like insultingly simply, um, Hawaii has always had its own cultural identity compared to the rest of the states. Right? Yes, very different, very different. So um, why is it important in Hawaii? Well, you know, I'll just tell you, I mean, I'll be really, really simple. Um, when it first came out, again, um, well, first of all, I'll give you the professor reasons. Let's say, say that, then I'll give you the uh, um, regular reasons afterwards. First of all, in Hawaii, we've had a high Asian population here. So it's not that strange to watch Japanese TV in, in Hawaii. Um, in 1974, um, when Kikaida first came out, about 40% of Hawaii's population was Japanese American. We have, okay. you know, a very large, you know, like a Chinese, Korean, a Native Hawaiian population. And, you know, today the figure is close to 20%. You know, back then, um, there was a powerful Japanese, you know, influence. Shows like, you know, Kikaida were not that exotic. In fact, for many kids, you know, see, for example, a uh, Japanese superhero was like a role model. So, you know, probably Kikaida's popularity, probably um, maybe aside from a few, um, you know, Japanese stations in Los Angeles, San Francisco, probably was not possible elsewhere in the nation. You got to remember, back in the 70s, or even the 80s, it, it's, it was, and it still is, rare to see Asian people on US TV. It's even more rarer to see a male Asian lead than today. 
better realize, you know, back then, the best analogy is Black Panther. You know, Kikaido was our Black Panther. <laughs> you know, I mean, people could relate to him, but he's also had appeal outside the Japanese community. I mean, there were kids of all backgrounds love Kikaido just because it was so, so um, unique and so different. He also had, um, if someone would like to ask that question, feel free to interrupt anytime. Um, like, uh, we, um, got introduced like in the nineties when they had very like Americanized, like certain shows like power Rangers, like that's what we got. And like, it wasn't like straight from like that source. And it wasn't like, even like that recognizably like (laughs) Japanese, you know, it was like a bunch more of like the, like, um, captain planet, like let's have like a mixed group of like people in like their own colors kind of thing, you know? Yeah, no, I feel sorry for you. You never got to see the originals, right? I'm like, you had Power Rangers, right? Which was, yeah. you know, what, Rita Repugna wanted to what, destroy the school prom, right? You see, we're going through that, actually. Um, when we had the unedited version. They treated um, people like, they treated kids like intelligent adults, actually, if you look at these shows. Yeah? Um, first of all, I write, actually, in my book that, you know, Kikaido was the first Japanese product to not be changed. For U.S. audiences, oh, see that like yeah, like usually for example, like you take um, in 1960s Astro Boy, Tetsuo and Atom, they had to change the title to Astro Boy. They changed all the names, the characters. They dubbed it so you couldn't tell it's from Japan. A lot of shows actually that you watch in those in the 60s and early 70s were actually Japanese, but dubbed and changed to make it seem like America. And the same thing happened with Power Rangers. You now you. They, they got rid of the violent elements, not we're going to destroy the world and kill people, we're going to destroy the high school prom. They, you know, um, just kept the battle scenes and they changed everything else. Not Kikaida. Kikaida, they kept the original plot. You can spell it differently. Like, um, when you spell it, you spell it what? K-I-K... A, yeah, E-R, not the A. Uh, right. We use the A because it's Japanese. So, here, it was a selling point that this was Japanese. There was no effort made to localize it and to change it for audiences. If you know, you look at the Tokusatsu, like, yeah, um, it's, it's very violent. And that's what you know the kids loved. You know, it was violent, yet it actually had mor- morals. It was actually um, really well written. That's the first demic reason, actually. You know, why it's you know um, at the highest Asian population. We also had Kiku TV, which was a Japanese TV station. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they would show this. Then we have to give credit to uh, um, Joanne Ninomiya. She was the general manager at uh, TV, and she was a woman in a man's field, and she brought in many, many shows. And um, they could you know, um, bring in shows from Japan. They couldn't edit them. The only thing they could edit was their breasts. No. Other than that, they were not to edit the shows. So we could watch the unedited Kikaida, Kamen Rider, you watch these shows, they're really, really violent. Oh, and um, like, uh, I think what Kamen Rider was it? Uh, um, Kazamishiro sees his father, mother, and younger sister killed before, yeah, his that died. kind of stuff happens a lot. It's not like, um, like a like big like comparison for like me and James is um, like comparing it to like the 1960s, like Batman, and it's like a lot different from that, right, James? <laughs> yeah, totally different. Oh, but yeah, um, like it's just like an interesting, like, um point to see like how different um just the attitude towards like storytelling was like because like it's definitely very like kitschy and goofy and like colorful but also like it's like uh being treated like more seriously than like a character like your batman or like even like you're like it's much closer 
to like um like Hulk in the eighties, like fifteen years later. <laughs> right. Um well, you know, um even you know, this show it was aimed at kids. It didn't treat kids like they were stupid. I mean, isn't that why you watch Tokusatsu also? Right? It's you know, it's entertaining, but it wasn't moralizing. It didn't, you know, try to um slam morals into you or um, you know, show you nonviolence. It's so ironic, you know, Japan has a much lower crime rate than America. So I guess because of that, they can show more violence in TV shows. And I have like to wonder too if just like um there's something just um much more appealing about like looking at like action when you aren't exposed to like um unrestricted or like uncontained violence, like where it's like, oh, like you might like you might see like a like tournament or like boxing or something, but like you won't as much like see like muggings that kind of thing like well well you might want to look at the maybe social context which is you know um, america we are a much more violent country one of yeah. the most violent industrialized countries out there because it is so real that there's chance to be a victim of crime or violence you have to then sanitize the kids shows that you know it doesn't you know promote violence it's too real well in japan is a pretty safe country a robbery of a convenience store is national news that's how safe it is Therefore, they can afford to be violent on TV because it's just fantasy. Also, I'm thinking perhaps, um, you know, Kikaido was popular because it was Japanese. Can you imagine if it wasn't Japanese and it was that violent? If you showed an American show like that, GT would be screaming at you, telling you, right, you know, turn off the TV. But because it's Japanese, they could actually remove it. They spoke different language. It didn't seem as real. And also, like, I wonder, like, if part of it was um, like a, like, almost like a, countercultural like pushback to like how in lots of parts of like um the US like you had like um books coming out about like the coming war in Japan and like why you shouldn't buy like like certain cars and then like in like um Hawaii where like people do feel like they have like their own different kind of like American identity might say, well no, like this thing that is being like looked down upon or like treated as like more dangerous, we actually want to like I engage with that too, you know? Right, right. Oh, you know, if you grew up in Hawaii in the 70s, and even today, there's a heavy Japanese influence. You know, I mean, the most popular language actually at the University of Hawaii system students take is Japanese. Oh. You know, it's, you know, it's, it's everywhere. You know, um, uh, it's, um, so Tokusatsu, in some ways, if you look at, like, I guess in the rest of the U.S. continent, it's seen as maybe exotic, a Japanese show or so. Oh, you know, in Hawaii, it's seen as something very familiar. For many kids, they could grow up, they could identify with uh, Kikaida because it was a hero that looked like them. You know? and, um, you also, this is the strange thing that I think you're both going to find really, really interesting. Kikaida today is relatively unknown in Japan. You know? mm-hmm. If you ask a Japanese person about it, they don't know. What, what's Kikaida? See that? But if you go to Hawaii, if you know Kikaida, what do you think it means? If you tell, if I can sit down and talk with you about like a, um, the dark or about Kikaida, or I can imitate the way he changes to, you know, um, Kikaida doing his henshin moves, right? Change, yeah. switch on, one, two, three. If you could talk that with me, what does it mean? There's a social meaning. It means you grew up in Hawaii. Yeah, because like, I feel like um, my frame of reference for like how certain shows are viewed in Japan is like something like Kikaida is like, you might like see action figures in like a like hobby shop or like, they might like randomly show up in like a movie with like a cast of like all their characters, but not like 
to the extent of like um, like it's almost like Mighty Mouse or something, like a right. weird artifact that you might remember but isn't like important to you, you know? Uh, I know. And here, meanwhile, you know, Hawaii, it's a part of local identity. If you, you know, my generation, you know, were the first ones, we knew Kikaida. And then that no matter what the ethnic background, if you could talk Kikaida, it meant you grew up in Hawaii. That we're the same generation, we had the same shows. It's like our hidden angel, hidden secret. You know, and we could talk about that. What made it interesting was there was a marketing campaign later on in the 90s as my generation started having kids. Yeah, I want to hear about that. That's very interesting. It's called Generation Kikaida, actually. Where, you know, um, it kind of made the idea our generation grew up together. And the Kikaida came out on DVDs. What happened? People showed it to their kids. And then, you know, kids would watch, hey, this is what daddy watched. And then they would watch it. Then we had the next generation of Kikaida fans come. Then later on, you had Kikaida days where the actor Ban Daisuke was brought over, you know, to uh, Hawaii. And you'd be huge lines of people, families come in to get his signature. Probably more popular in um, Hawaii than he is in Japan. That's like almost like a like regional Star Wars kind of thing. Like just like <laughs> this is like yeah. what Star Wars is, and like in right. like um I don't know, like one thing um that I found was that George Lucas like cited um the main enemy Hakaida as being the inspiration for Darth Vader. Oh, that's interesting. Are you, are you serious? You yeah, like, watch like, 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 interview that he based Darth Vader off that character, who like I know like also had like a weird movie in the '90s and is like a weird cultural like figure as well. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that Darth Vader. You know what? Actually, it does make sense. Is also I guess what maybe I remember I said earlier it didn't treat you know kids like idiots. That these shows actually are quite complex. The Shintaro Shinomori actually wrote very complex stories. If you look at you know, Kikaida, Kaida would be the Darth Vader-like figure. Interesting. It was all black. He was uh, the brother of Kikaida. He was made to kill Kikaida, and therefore he tried to kill Kikaida, but yet he was also honorable. He's both good and bad, kind of like an anti-hero. Did what it takes to survive. You know, um, a lot yeah. of kids actually yeah, like Kikaida better than Kikaida. Yeah, because he's like all in black. He like, has like the weird like exposed brain going on. <laughs> it's like a slightly cooler, like, as much as like that two tone in the like machinery in the head is cool. Like one character is like very clearly like looks like you could partially dress like them like, pretty easily. I could you could cosplay also like, like Sabano. It's interesting how he's like the mirror image of of Kikaida, and yet he's also the more evil version. But you know that that is interesting to say that Darth, Darth Vader comes with that. Kaido like he was cool. He had a gun. He had a knife. And so, you know, he's obviously, you know, Hakai in Japanese means to destroy. So, you know, it yeah. means, you know, Kikai, by the way, is machine. Kaida okay. Is machine man. Kaida is a destroy man. So, um, he what, would want to fight Kikaida, I think, but do it honorably. He was obsessed with Kikaida. So, you know, um, it makes sense. I mean, this was, you know, a show that was really, really good. Like, compare what, what did other kids watch? Scooby-Doo? Yeah, Scooby-Doo. Um... The Brady Bunch? I'm not sure. <laughs> right. Well, even today, right? Well, people die in Scooby-Doo. See that, right? Not a nothing, lot, no. Nothing violent happens. Same plot all the time. There's no character development continuity. It's funny, Mickey Mouse, same thing. There's violence, but it's very cartoon-like. So, you know, this is the American mentality. The kids are, well, they can't be corrupted. They must be taught, moralized too. So kids should be very, you know, um, very fragile. Yeah, and I've like seen lots of stuff like 
in Japanese culture of like, oh, like you need to like go on like a journey or like <clears throat> experience something that like you like overcome versus like being fragile kind of thing. Like I'm not sure like what that's exactly called. Like I know it like has like a name for it, but like it's the uh, yeah. I think it's the show the kids go shopping, right? Alone. Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, this is the true irony actually look at cultural studies. We say we're an independent nation, yet we don't treat our kids like they're enough to be independent. So yeah. We, you know, we, we tell kids, you know, oh, uh, uh, be independent, be independent, yet, you know, we check up on them every you know, 30 minutes. Well, you are. Um, uh, kids can't walk to school, no. They always have to be dropped off. Um, you know, because maybe it's too scary in America. I don't know. But in Japan, kids end up doing stuff on their own easily. And so maybe yeah. the idea there is that need to be exposed to this stuff. I don't know. What do you think? I think that like um, we've definitely for different aims been made to fear like our own like shadows and like our own um like it just drives more clicks maybe or like only focus on the person who is kidnapped versus to like trust in in like society enough to like let mm-hmm. it like walk to the mm-hmm. store or whatever and like, right. like that's like a thing um it, it definitely does seem like maybe um there's like a concerted effort or maybe like feeling from what i've like read and spoken to like people from it like in japan like people like do kind of feel like maybe like a greater responsibility for like a common good or pleasantness i think right right and and it's right so maybe you know again these are still kid shows he kind of still for kids you know they're showing kind of like the evil and that's the dark side of nature i guess the idea is you know have to know this or to survive society and while you know you know, the American kids got power ranges. You know, the worst thing that can happen is someone will destroy your problem. I mean, think yeah. Kikaida, like, you were watching it. Like, you know, they're fighting an organization, the hero, right? And it's the evil organization. Kikaida has a conscience circuit, right, Jiro, that separates them from other androids. And so we thought it was cool. Like, you know, he would be good, and then, you know, Esagil would play his flute. Then what? Jiro mm-hmm. starts screaming. Remember that. And, remember that? As kids would imitate that, and ah, would start screaming and all that. And then, um, this idea, think about it. It talks about the nature of man. Can a robot have a conscience? You know, um, so this, you know, these ideas are in there. You know, something interesting towards that is actually, um, we're currently like recapping, um, like Common Rider, like Zero One, which is like the like mm-hmm. 2019, like 2020 show. And like the entire like arc we're going through right now is basically like, um, different groups trying to build infrastructure for AI to be able to like follow their dreams and like come to like a like consciousness and like to like have joy and like have personhood basically. It's definitely something that like has continued, I think thematically like through the works like inspired by like um, these early ones. Oh, you know, I can go over that. And you know, if you want to, you know, talk about that, I can go over the, uh, um, in Japan, the social context of Kamen Rider and Kikaido. You know, like, was made in response to a specific social circumstance. That's what we study in academia. Let's um, back to Kikaido real quickly. That I got to give you, however, the easy reason why we kids loved it was it kicked butt, it kicked ass, basically. Compared to American cartoons, which were tame, you know, we're talking lots of martial arts moves, exploding, screaming monsters. As a kid, we loved it. You know, it was during the time of the Bruce Lee boom. 1972, Fist of Fury, Enter the Dragon, 73. So, 
thought yeah. the opening, yeah, wasn't it amazing? What do you think when you watch this? Um, it's a martial arts movie. Yeah, like is very much like film like that, and like there's this weird sense of um, like um, the country not being fully built out in like that like time like too, where it's like oh, we just have like quarries and like burnt out buildings <laughs> and like these like areas, like where we're, like we can have people like, have these like huge fights, that kind of thing. Well, they did quarries because it was I guess cheap to fight in a quarry, right? But look at the opening scene where Kikai is just on his motorcycle and sidecar, and then all of these androids are jumping, spinning out of the way. You realize it's a single cut, right? and then yeah. um, these are stuntmen in costumes jumping. I couldn't help but notice that um, in the first fight on the main suit, they didn't switch out like his eyes to be ones that didn't have light bulbs, meaning that like he probably couldn't see the whole time they were filming that. Like, <laughs> wow. Wow. Right, well, it's dangerous, yeah. Actually, if you notice, like, the gray, what was it, uh, a rhino king, right? He gets tossed down, actually, hill. Notice that? That the androids get tossed down a hill. These are actually really dangerous stunts to do. <laughs> what do you think about, um, like, um, these first two episodes like that, like, uh, we watched, James? I thought they were pretty solid, um, other than the quirky uh, way to do special effects. Like whenever the the robot exploded, it was just like a bunch of old <laughs> computer pieces that were on the ground on fire. That was really that. That's pretty funny. But uh, <laughs> like Professor Chung said, um, if I was a kid and I was growing up and I had a choice between watching this or some like bubbly cartoon, I would definitely choose this over the bubbly cartoon. And uh, going back to what Professor Chung said earlier about how Americans treat children television versus the Japanese, uh, maybe we should, you know transition into doing that um as far as american uh entertainment with uh kids i think the only outlet we have is like the journey type storylines like uh films like stand by me or Mm -hmm. um like i forget the other kid movie goonies like stories like that are kind of like you know kids venturing away from home and becoming a whole new person when they get back so i think the way they do that is in film versus uh television but Mm -hmm. um i really enjoy kakaider um and uh yeah what'd you guys think i liked um how like in the stuff that we looked at like on the show like including um kiter like how like um they really attack infrastructure a whole lot like it seems like every plot is to like let's destroy like this dam to hurt the country and that kind of thing versus like how like in batman like the plot might be let's hurt people in the city Mm. to me kind of felt like uh a like play like more towards like the national identity being stronger, but also like um, in Japan, like they did just like spend like 25 years of constant construction and like rebuilding where like you might more identify with a dam. If you've seen like your whole country having to drastically build up and change and like that kind of way. Yeah, that makes sense. From the professor's viewpoint, um, you want to look at 1960 to 1973 in Japan. It was the era of what's called high speed growth. This was a time when economic growth was the national goal. Labor and business cooperated. Let's not worry about politics. Let's just build the country and become rich. So that became then um, the goal. And let's build a lot of infrastructure. Let's build a lot of roads. No, let's do that. So what, you know, um, uh, these evil organizations are doing is trying to stop Japan. from. Then there's also a counter message. Notice all of these shows, the early... Ishinomori Shintaro shows, they're about a lone hero fighting an organization. Would you like to know like the social context of this? What happened is in the 60s, 
Japanese kids to go to school, do brutal rote learning. We're talking, and anybody who's watched any school anime can say, it is tough. In your life, you have to become machine-like, just memorize things, become like a machine. Then you go to college for four years of freedom to get into good college. And then once you finish college, you join a big company and you become part of the machine. Young people knew what was happening. They knew that they would become a machine to just grow Japan. So during the 60s, <coughs> college students with all their free time go into protests. And there were like protests all throughout um, Japan um, from students. They even took over campuses and said, we do not want to be mm. part of this machine. Now, let's look at Kaido Kamen Rider, all of these shows. Always about, yes, if they've become part machine, or they are part machine, they are fighting an evil organization of mindless androids, hierarchical organization. In other words, these are the fears of the counterculture. Wow. You think about it. Takeshi Hongo, right? Hongo Takeshi, he's like the main character. He was chosen in common, uh, by a Shocker. You see that? Um, why? Because he had a high IQ, high yeah, like 600 ability. IQ, and he's like great at like <laughs> racing motorcycles and perfect dude. <laughs> right. So what happens? When a shocker wants to take the best people, make them to robots, basically turn people to mindless machines. Think about it. It's a analogy for kids going to school. You're the best and the brightest, and you're going to be turned into a machine. And around this time, like, wasn't that when that um like that archetype of the like um schoolboy in the uniform like getting in lots of fights like maybe having like a pompadour like kind of like became like a thing like that like very anime one too just like here's like a rowdy middle schooler or like that kind of thing and like i think like no no you, you see a lot of that actually in the um the 60s and 70s the hero is the loner who's bucking the system it was a fantasy of college students and for high school students and kids to want to crack the system you have to be a loner see that so um you know, you think about it. The idea, Shocker is making people into machines. Jiro and Kikaida is bad in the dark. A robotic organization trying to take over the world. There's always the same concept. They're both fighting a huge organization. It's hierarchical. There's always a big leader that right, the main boss of the week right, and amasses mindless foot soldiers. See that? Then you look at all of these heroes like Kamen Rider and Kamen Rider uh, and Kikaida. They're lonely. Nobody helps them. America, it's considered cool, right? Like the lone cowboy. This is Japan. Actually part of a group. Totally different concept. Hey everyone, this week we didn't end up doing our normal segment break. So here's just one smack dab in the middle. Next week we come back and we're going to be looking at uh, Kamen Rider Reiwa, the first generation, and the first part of Project Thouser. And something like um like very interesting is that um in the modern shows a like very often theme is that like the shows will concern basically a new species or like new um like counterpart to like to like humanity like oh like here's like these creatures that can have like a human form but but they're being like hunted down or they're trying to like become like part of society in like a certain way and it's like that very much like is like um like the modern day like version of that feeling i think to say well no um we are a bunch of people who like as like the youth of the country or like what have you have like different ideas and like a different place but we're still having to occupy a society that like will view that as like dangerous or like outsider and that kind of thing 
it's been a classic theme actually of Japanese anime. So in Tokusatsu is um, the outsiders trying to gain approval from society, still maintaining their outsiderness. You see that you know in anime all the time. You know, um, um, if you notice, I think what in the recent I was watching a little bit actually of some of the common writer on Japanese TV. It's now teams now, right? There's more characters. Like there's definitely like. <laughs> Three or four common riders in like the current show we're looking at, maybe more, right? Shapes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what happened if you notice, like around 1975-1974, you started seeing the opposite of the lone hero come out, seeing the Greek Super Sentai. Super Sentai. That's you notice Super Sentai, each one a different color, each one has a different you know, different role. They must work together to do a complex move to uh, destroy the main villain, or go into robot in each pilot different part of it. This is basically the exact opposite of Kamen Rider um, original incarnation. It's teaching people how to become a salaryman, salarywoman. See that? It's teaching, definitely. You have to work as a group, speak as a group. You notice they say the commands together. Have a leader, always male, always red. Yeah. And like one of the, the like very early shows, like each of their weapons like becomes part of their like final like canon or whatever. Yeah. But like it's like an actual canon. So like one of them. <laughs> Just has like a wheel, and like it's like not that like um like compared to the main character like having like the rocket or like what have you. It's just like one more way to be like like more demoralized too. Oh, you know, this is the um reaction perhaps to Kamen Rider Kaida, which is the teamwork, Super Sentai. You know, you work as a unit. You think about it. This is basically salaryman training for young kids. Kamen Rider, you could call it maybe the more radical '60s version, like Kaida. You know, the early 70s version, the lone hero battling the organization that's trying to make everyone mindless. Now, the Super Sentai has said this is, you know, by the 70s, Japan was a rich country, telling kids, if you want to live society, this is what you got to do. Learn your roles. Learn to work as a team. Give yeah, a woman- and it goes towards like, those like very different like, age brackets where it's like, let's <laughs> like teach like four-year-olds how to be in groups <laughs> versus like, let's like be like... Exactly. Exactly. So- that's one of my class lectures I do, actually. I look at the uh, two different kinds of uh, the loner toksatsu and the uh, super sentai. Where you literally lose your individuality. You have, it's like uniforms. You'll have different colors. Okay? But what's fun, interesting, um, a little bit off subject, has there ever been a female Red Ranger in America? Um, in America, no. I think there's been like an evil team or like a temporary Red Ranger, but no, there hasn't been like a full like cast member. Isn't it interesting? I think there's been one in Japan. Not in, you know, not in America, which, you know, people say, you know, Japan's a very uh, male-oriented society, yet even here, in Mekon, we, we haven't done that step yet in America. Something I want to, like, look at, like, um, well, like too, is how, like, um, how much there's, like, this kind of, like, coolness of new technology angle, too, for, like, these shows, where, like, it's, like, for, like, um, Kikaida, like, he has, like, a bunch of, like, w- weird, like, chips and microphones like in like half his head and that kind of thing well it also helps sell toys right? I mean, yeah I, you know you make different incarnations so you have to buy a whole new piece of toys every year first kikaido then zero one um, but um technology you know in you have to think this you know um in uh, um japan technology was a um big um driving force for the government the government took promoted technology as a way to um, make Japan, you know, made in Japan used to be cheap, used to be cheap goods. By the 70s, 80s, they wanted it to be quality. So they pushed for engineer mechanical training. These shows actually help kind of tie in with that fascination 
with technology. Then it also you know, made it easy to understand, you know, by having a human, you know, as a robot or robot as a human. Yeah, and you like um do you see that like a lot in like um even like shows like here, like where like it becomes like let's have like Knight Rider versus like something like more magical or like more supernatural. And like, let's like have that focus. I, oh, you know, I mean, I think in America we had a show called the Six Million Dollar Man. Which is not that much money when you think about it. That. Yeah, <laughs> only six million. But you know, but a strong arm, you know, super eyesight, right? All super legs and running, you know. Um, but you know, I think the idea, think about these shows, if you compare it to American shows and why we Hawaii kids loved it, um, I never really got around to it actually, which is it was basically a martial arts show. You look at kind of look at it as martial arts after watching Bruce Lee. But it's they're not they're wearing mechanical uniforms with monsters, super catchy theme song they could sing along to. Um, kids that didn't know Japanese were singing along to it. They would play Kikaida school to go out and start running and kicking and punching. There's so many kids would imitate Kikaida that many schools had a prohibition. You are not to play Kikaida during lunchtime. Something I read that like for um this show was like the first show that had like a like bumper of like don't try these stunts basically on it. In Japan, at least, like maybe also in, like the U.S., but like it was like oh, like the first show where, like like that ever happened, which is like a really you just jogged the memory from my brain. I wonder if they had that like, after telling kids, is it just my imagination, or did they actually have a segment where they just said, "Please don't try this at school, try this at home," because you know um, these are martial arts moves. <laughs> you know, kids I were hope like, "There's not one that says please don't try this at school, try this at home." <laughs> You should ask them. Don't try it. It was that popular in Hawaii. Imagine all these kids. I still remember as a kid coming in, telling one of my classmates, Did you see that show, Kikaida? And a few said, Yeah, yeah. And those who didn't, we just said, Watch it. I think it was a Saturday night. People watched it. And oh my goodness. And then everybody kept watching it. Kikaida was so big at um, uh, the Kikaida, that Kikaida shows in Hawaii, actually. And Kikaida made an appearance in Hawaii. You know, um, with actor Bandaiske, and he appeared at the local shopping center. And, you know, I couldn't go because I was too young, you know, so, uh, but uh, um, 10,000 kids, you know, and parents showed up. So huge that wow. the council for the safety. <laughs> it's in the newspapers. 10,000, you know, the governor met Kikaida and, you know, and, and signed, you know, and made Kikaida Day. It was huge that Kikaida So this is a full on day, is what you're saying? It was like, you know, how the governors proclaim. Proclaim this day, Kikaida Day, you know. That's how big it was. So when you see then Generation Kikaida, which is that marketing, it played on that nostalgia. The second wave, yeah, like the, the like second, 2000s, right. like 90s. And then from YouTube, third wave. So I still have students who are 20, but Kikaida. In other words, it's become a part of Hawaii culture. It's no longer a Japanese show anymore. Interesting, isn't it? It's now a sign that you love Hawaii. When you know, Japanese tourists come, people say, you know, Kikaida, they're shocking. What the hell is the Kikaida? I don't know what that is. Right? Kikaida now, so all of you, since you watched it, you come to Hawaii, you just talk about Kikaida, people will think you're local. That's so interesting because, like, there's just like all these things that, like, um, like it's like how um, people like will go to countries, like, they'll try and like get like a, a like beret because they're like in Paris or like what have you, but like it's like not actually like something that like a lot of people are like doing, you know, it's just like how they understand it. Like, it's like interesting, like how like there can just be like a, like major cultural, like artifact that like you wouldn't even know about like, or, 
although like it's yeah, yeah that's what we study in cultural studies in academia it tells you a lot about society <clears throat> why did Takeda become a Hawaii icon you go for example to China or the show that a lot of people watch actually was Friends that show ended a while ago and yet people still love Friends you know one guy made his house look like Friends one made a bar look like it he used that to learn um, English you know even like Tokusatsu and uh, anime so, Have you heard you know, about it, that, James? The friends in like China situation? No, I didn't know about that. This is my first time hearing about that. I'll send you a link. You can read it. Just uh, people who made they made um a uh, uh, a restaurant looks like the bar, the place you know a cafe. So basically, you know, like what friends were ended what a long time ago, and yet it's really popular there. You know, and um, so that's why we study cultural studies. Why do some shows um take off overseas? The more popular overseas than they are actually um, back, you know, uh, um, uh, where it was made. Ikikaida is one of them. Oh, there's one of them like that, like I always think of. Um, it's the Phantom, how the Phantom is really big in like New Guinea. But um, like, it's like a like massive like thing where basically like during World War II, like some comics got left there. And then like now, like there's like on like traditional like shields, like it'll be like, here's like a tiger, like here's like a like hawk and here's the phantom this 1930s like combo character like that no one's seen for like 40 years you know oh the phantom interesting or like purple tights and like a gun like just like very like old it's like a very like strange like because these four comics got left in like this one place like it like became like a national icon kind of thing hmm oh okay i never knew that i have to look this up the phantom it's kind of like like it's kikaida become a you know a state icon a local icon that you are from hawaii is it the kind of thing where like you can go to like a like a like certain like restaurant and like get like a burger like based off it or like not quite no we don't have that yet um they did have kikaida days where you know like the local store would sponsor and actor bondesk would be there to sign autographs and then the uh, um, person kikaida suit would be there then you know whole lines would for coming to get signatures <laughs> photos of Kikaida but that's what we have um, there's uh, um, you know, local artists who draw Kikaida still I mean, still has a huge following here people buying the DVDs I mean, Kamen Rider also to a lesser extent <clears throat> a show that you might want to look at is Rainbow Man I've heard of that very briefly but yeah that was also huge in Hawaii it came about the same time in the Kikaida but what made Rainbow Man really interesting was they did not subtitle it for a long time. But when I watched it, I had to just guess what was happening. You know, I couldn't understand what they were saying. But yet, everybody loved it because uh, um, it was uh, um, a guy, I guess he finds some kind of Indian guru to teach him how to become uh, seven seven different forms. And when kids like to copy henshin, you know, I think what that's tokusatsu, that you change forms. They like to copy that. It, it's the kind of thing where like a like serial killer came up and I had like to search like Rainbow Man, like, and then like Toku, like it was like that. Like, it's so weird to me. Like, um, like I basically like heard about things like how big like Kikaida like is, and like um, like, but then like without like that real context, where like for how big it is, like how little like it's like really been like talked about or like mentioned. Like, like there's maybe like one news report for the 45th like anniversary on like YouTube, like about like how big like Kikaida like is, and like it's like um interesting to me that like that hasn't like bled more like online of like Twitter and that kind of thing. 
well, your show now can help spread this. You know, there are some articles about this. Um, you know, maybe you could enter the field of cultural studies. This is still relatively new, although it's been around for decades. The idea is popular culture is something worth studying in academia, that you can learn more about a society from watching pop culture. So, you know, um, my class is interesting. We go in and we start talking about anime, tokusatsu, you know, K-pop. You know, and, uh, at first, these students are really kind of shocked. They're not used to hearing being just discussed in the classroom. But then, you know, start getting into it. Like, I already gave you an, an analysis, and you can see how it really reflects, you know, um, Japan at the time, and how it reflects Hawaii at the time. Yeah, and it's just, um, like, a very, like, interesting, like, how um, just, there's so many things that, like, um, aren't quite, like, lost by any means, but just um, aren't really being covered, like, versus, like, um, how much, like, certain cultural, like, parts, like, are. And it's, it's like, just, um, like, to me, it's always seemed like, oh, this is something that's very minor and very, like, not important. And, like, there's no one, like, besides, like, uh, this, like, one comic shop. And, like, it's, like, <laughs> weird to see, like, the different ways that, like, um, mm. you have, like, massive, like, franchises and, like, cultural movements, that kind of thing. Oh, you know, now with YouTube and with, you know, all these Netflix and all this streaming, we've had a globalized world. Now people can actually watch these you know shows very easily well, it's a um to get ready for this show i just you know i watched some kikaido online actually you know um can refresh my memory um just then now we're entering here really call it global culture then you know these things you know we can study how we react to it tells us a lot about our society one thing that like might like matter now is that like it's like a like a past five ten years like thing where you see like netflix and hulu and that kind of stuff like really like kick off like just like last week um choi tokusatsu world like a like youtube mm -hmm. channel started which is the first time that like a lot of shows like in the past like month or two like the original common rider like kikaida are actually like legally like available to watch mm -hmm. in like a like real format so like that's something like where like right now it also seems like a interesting time of like instead of like the legal gray area maybe of this thing it isn't copyright copywritten in my country and i'm like watching like a fan's version of oh. it to like oh this is like all of a sudden here and like i think like um with services like um crunchyroll or like there's like one just called like toku like that understanding will change a lot i think in the next like five ten years oh, oh that's good that's good to hear that it's so mainstream then that because you know the thing is japanese culture was Really, really seen as exotic, except in Hawaii, which you know it's it was, you know, it's everywhere here. You know, you have in Hawaii the Native Hawaiian culture, you have the U.S. culture, and you have the Asian culture. And uh, very um, there's a lot of Japanese here as well. But um, one thing is, it was really only until the late 1990s that, um, um, especially with Pokemon coming in, that Japanese culture products began to become mainstream and part of everyday life of people growing up in the U.S. Yeah, and like, you know, it's like, interesting to see that like just two weeks ago, like I um like had um Rich from the Science Patrol podcast on. He made like the first Ultraman like podcast, and um, hmm. wow, one thing that like we talked about like in the seventies and like eighties, he like knew Ultraman, and then one day like his friend went to like Comic Con, and, like brought him like I... a different series. I was like, what's this? <laughs> and like how like uh -huh. um until like the mid to late like nineties, like um. Japanese culture was just like a weird box that was like a buckshot of things versus like mm -hmm. 
right. even separating out like this is anime, this is manga, this is like that kind of thing. And like it's like only like in the past like twenty ish like years even where like there's been like any like attempt to make that distinction and like in like the past five years like there's like oh here's like k-pop and like here's like mawa and that kind of stuff and it's like um weird to see like how long it's like taken even like fringe mainstream you know yeah well i mean you know james think how did you get introduced to tokusatsu right i mean you're you know you're far away from japan what brings in you know japanese culture to your life how did you get into it why did you like it you see you want to think about these kinds of things yeah and for me it was stuff like godzilla movies and power rangers then i like lots of like good like martial arts movies and like that made me like when i saw like an odd like clip on youtube like be like oh this is interesting and like i'll look towards it you know versus like well you know um i was gonna say is that the audiences for um Tokusatsu and shows are highly intelligent they you know they know how to actually interpret really well um they uh, um, are very culturally curious so once they see maybe the Americanized version of Power Rangers, they want to see really original material where it came from. So, you know, they can look it up on YouTube. Uh, many will learn Japanese just to translate. You know, so I'm amazed that, you know, um, uh, the energy that people you know, like you, you know, do you know, pour into promoting these kinds of shows. Um, it takes yeah, a lot of de- dedication. Of, like there are like dedicated groups like that have spent like 15 plus years, like fan subbing stuff. And then like, they don't make any money off it. They don't, um, like have any ownership and like there's lots of stuff where it's like oh um we just got like a letter and we have to take off eight shows they're not actually like available but the licensing got bought kind of thing you know <laughs> right right i know it's hard but you know i guess uh, um you know, that's why it calls fans right you know fans do it it's not it's that great legal area one thing i just want to point out about, about japanese is considered by like the u.s um, i think foreign service to be one of the hardest languages a native English speaker to learn. Mm-hmm. It's just so different. Um, the uh, U.S. Foreign Service can rank um, languages to three categories, and Japanese is considered uh, among the four most difficult languages for a native English speakers to learn. The people then to, you know, the other three are Korean, Chinese, and Arabic. Japanese, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> in Japanese, then, it has a little asterisk next to it. It's especially difficult. Even me, after all these studying, you know, I'm married to a Japanese woman. You know, it's just, I still miss a lot of meaning. See that? It is that difficult. So for people to do fan subs of Japanese, they are actually very, very um, strong people. Like, in, uh, I said, very smart people to be able to do this. A lot of effort and dedication. I wish there would be more um, legally available shows. Just because, you know, it... And just like more like cultural respect too. Yeah. Very culturally... You know, people like you, you know, people very culturally aware, you know, um, very culturally respectful. And that's why, um, as I've taught this um, courses on anime or so, I just realized how, I guess, the energy that's out there in the fans. Let's just say that. I'm always amazed. Henley, just um, like, um, are there any like um, magazines or articles or like, or like books maybe that like you might like point people that like want to learn more about like, this cultural like history like would tell people just start also um the whole bunch of um academic articles out there on tokusatsu on um anime you know and pop culture and that um hopefully if you study all this it'll get you interested into learning more about um, asia for example tokusatsu now that you understand i've kind of explained for you a little bit about mm-hmm. um this uh, history you might want to start learning 
more about Japanese culture, history, society, about this high-speed growth era, about today, like you pointed out, today's common writer. Um, there is like a growing multiculturalness in Japan, and young people are trying to learn how to deal with this. People who are different from you. Globalization. What do you do when you meet people who are different? Fight them, become one with them. And that's a common theme in anime as well, also. And lots of people come from the angle of, oh, this is like a, like, interesting fight scenes or like that kind of thing but like there's a lot as there will be with any like um 60 70 year old like multi-franchise like genre of like filmmaking that kind of thing like there is so much to be offered and like to see like beyond like we've looked at like patently like patently for children things like we've looked at like movies about like um like shin godzilla like about like a country going through and like looking at its own destruction and like a real politic like way and that kind of stuff so like there's a lot there like even just like if you purely want like action to like so much to unpack that's all i'm gonna say is that uh, um i could you know teach this so you can do a whole lecture on this about a country being destroyed but that could go another hour about that so um there's so much on, on this deep is it's just um for a beginner i just say watch kikaida just realize this is before computer graphics Yes. Before, <laughs> I mean, just watch people realize they're in a costume and they're actually, you know, it sounds a low budget also. They're doing a good job. The martial arts moves are amazing. You realize no stunt people are actually being tossed down the cliffs. It's highly choreographed fights, but it looks really good and it's set to music. I mean, it's just, you know, amazing. I must say, I, I really enjoyed the part when the King Rhino uh, ran into the guy in the office and he like splattered against the wall. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> just sh- the dummy just shattered. That was pretty funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> with the motorcycle where it looks like it's about to fall over. Yeah, yeah, it was almost it almost crashed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wasn't it amazing? You know, and then um, you also see this camera angle from the view of the motorcycle. And it's driving into yeah, yes. then dressed as Andrew. Um, and it seems like whenever they wanted to like have him beat like the big monster of the week, they just made a mannequin and put a bomb <laughs> in it. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, exactly. I'll tell you something. I looked a little bit at the reboot Kikaida. To be honest, it doesn't have the charm of the original. Yeah, that was like uh, 2016 or something, and it's hard to have that charm. Fuck <laughs> it. was a guy in a suit. That's what makes it, uh, what's about kitschy, I guess? Like, there's just something charming about it. People in monster suits fighting at a quarry because that's the only place to get, you know, um, hire to do explosions. Yeah. At some point, we should look at, um, there is a 90s movie based off of a Kider that's like this weird, like, road warrior, like, rated R movie, where there's like a town called Jesus Town, and this robot gets brought back to life, and he has to fight like a bunch of angel robots. Right, right. Wow, interesting. Wow, I got to see that movie. I never saw it. It's just, you know, kind of just thinking, how that you bring back memories? That's so many key touches that only as an adult you realize what it means. Like Gino is a regular goody two-shoes, but when Professor Gill plays his flute, he starts to go crazy. It, he starts to actually he could hurt his own friends. It's almost like the human condition. Like, you know, everyone has that good and evil in them to constantly battle. You know, Hakaida comes out and a lot of kids root for him because he was so evil, yet he had a sense of honor. And you realize that, you know, I, no, I don't want to get spoilers. No, anti Anti-hero, but uh, he was actually a sympathetic figure. He, and there must be like so many small things too. Yeah, so many like it was like a um, ritual 
like, you know, new monster come in, first fight, run in, and then in the end, Jiro come out with a guitar fighting, and then later on, and if you notice, the choreography is amazing when he's fighting, then he changes the title, and everyone knew how he changed. You um, imitate his engine. The kids, you'd love to do that. When I was speaking with Rich, um, like it was um the one thing that sticks out from my childhood is that the first time like the um like one Power Rangers is like um, um the first time his dragon zord comes out, he grabs like a smokestack and like bites into it like a breadstick. And that's like the <laughs> major image, like like top five like thing that has meaning without any context, like from like my childhood. And like I'm sure for like this show there must be so many things of like when he's jumping in the air and when he's saying like oh, his main attack and you know his attack every kid in Hawaii memorized it it was double chops giant swing throw and then those were the three things you do it in an order and so you know kids like these kinds of rituals you know you'd fight a double chop the daishani and then there'd be a broken glass and like you said the dummy of the suit would blow up then you know could be in the sidecar again and drive off you know it's it was just cooler than cool if you were a kid in Hawaii rather than watching these tame American shows, even shows where adults weren't this violent. This was just something that was just um, amazing. It's amazing to hear about it and to like just like hear that there's more enthusiasm than like the reason to have somebody on the show is to know like beyond like a vague reference on like Reddit, like what it actually means like to have like these shows like have that lasting legacy and like i'm just um so glad of you like um that you joined us and like oh no thank you very much it is it's, it's always my pleasure that's what i like to teach this is what they, we do in the classroom yeah it's uh just a it's the kind of thing that, like i could talk way longer than our audience probably <laughs> wants to hear about <laughs> no you have to edit, edit the show i'm gonna be talking too much i know i know where can people find you and like um had your work up Oh, um, you know, I uh, I teach, you know, um, uh, courses. First of all, um, I'm at the University of Hawaii, West Oahu. Um, should I give you my email? It's uh, um, jmchun, H-U-N, J-M-C-H-U-N, at hawaii.edu. Um, actually, I have people write to me, you know, sometimes just asking, you know, if you're a student, you need help with your senior project, you know, I help. People done that, actually. They've actually written to me saying, I need help with my senior project. And then I'm I'm a resource. Um, I believe academics shouldn't be in the ivory tower; should be out there working with people. You know? So you know, if you need help, just send me. You know, um, I um, also teach. If you're a college student, I'm teaching a course this summer at the University of Hawaii Manoa. Um, because of COVID, it's all online, and it's on anime, manga, and film. And we, you know, um, watch um, anime class. And we write assignments in anime, and we'll do presentations in anime or tokusatsu as well. That was great. Oh, that's you can reach me. Um, I have a whole, you know, um, I'm working on a book about a K-pop now, and I'm also writing articles in a, a Wasabi a magazine about anime and academia. Okay. I mean, if you want to, here's a trivia. You talked about the giant, what, Negazord or so? Right? Yes. Like in Power Rangers, the, the uh, main creature always becomes a giant. Mm-hmm. The fight. Guess when that was first done? Oh. That's the trivia. What, the trivia. what Tokusatsu was this first done? where the main um, uh, bad guy becomes a giant and the giant robots needed to destroy this. Hey, robot, uh, what do you think, James? I'm still thinking. You would know better than me. I'm, yeah, I'm I would, but new. I don't. Um, I'm going to say it's the, like, one, like, Daimajin or whatever. I know it was something. 
No. The answer will shock you. What is it? Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. Okay. That's actually, we do that in class. We actually, uh, we watch Japanese Spider-Man. And then the differences are so huge. You can quickly tell the cultural differences just because you're already used to Spider-Man. Origin story, you know, he's the same thing. He's fighting um, an evil organization that wants to take over the world. Because oh, no. that's Spider-Man. Spider-Man is the emissary of hell, right? Like, hey, that's yes. Basically, he's a motorcycle rider who's consumed with vengeance, and he will do everything to bring down the evil Iron Cross army, which actually wants to take over the world. That sounds like so, Spider-Man to me. Yeah, I know. I don't know so, you know, um, anybody just write to me, and I can, you know, um, if I'm not swamped at work, I can uh, do a brief reply. <laughs> Thank you so much like, for the You're offer, welcome. but... Um, <laughs> So, James, I'm like, where can people find you? You can find me at PopcoNet on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter.com at James Forge. You can find the podcast at CommonRideWithMe.com at CommonRideWithMe. And send in emails to podcast at CommonRideWithMe.com. As always, thanks to Berserk for the use of our theme song, Common Rider Love Song. So, we always end our show by thinking of uh, what is a crime that you could do while watching while watching Common Rider or in this case like watching the Kider. So I'm wondering, what could you do? Mm. You could watch Kider and destroy property. I don't know. Good thing everyone coming out and bye.